the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's podcast, sponsored by Hillsdale College. All things Hillsdale at Hillsdale.edu. I encourage you to take advantage of the many free online courses there. And, of course, to listen to the Hillsdale Dialogues, all of them at Q for Hillsdale.com, or just Google Apple, iTunes, and Hillsdale. Take a little walk. Welcome, good morning, morning, glory, America, bonjour, hi, Canada, that's Peaky Blinders music. I'm playing that because I returned to the Beltway yesterday after a five-month absence and immediately went on a Peaky Blinders Blinders binge because I'm not allowed to watch that with the fishing, Mr. Hewitt, it is pretty rando when it comes to the violence, but I've got that back in my head again, Tommy. I am glad to be back inside the Beltway, sort of. Now, I was on a plane with a United States Senator. Senator King and I flew down together. And I want you all to know he flies coach. All you Mainers, Angus flies coach. But I I got onto the plane, and since there was a United States Senator, we were met at the gate, and people were handing out gold bars, and I declined. But I, they were looking. They obviously did not recognize Angus because he didn't get any gold bars, as far as I could see. But there was a gold bar distribution line as we came off. Unbelievably... Bob Menendez got asked a question by the media yesterday. You see, it is a rule in the uh, the hallways of Congress that Democrats are not to be pursued and asked embarrassing questions. But when 24 of your colleagues turn on you and demand that you resign, that is a signal to the legacy media to ask bad questions of Bob Menendez. So they caught him. I hope you're watching on the Salem News Channel. By the way, we will be doing live debate coverage beginning at 8 p.m. tonight. Live debate coverage beginning at 8 p.m. tonight on the Salem News Channel. Uh, you can you can watch all of that happening. You can see the graphic right now, uh, beginning 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And then after the debate at 11 p.m., there will be additional uh, debate coverage on the Salem News Channel as they try and figure out what the seven candidates had to say tonight. So tune into the Salem News Channel. Bob Menendez, I hope there's a gold bars question tonight. Maybe just a show of hands. Do any of you have any gold bars at home? Yeah, that that's would- it, Dick. That's the ticket. Cut number four. Bob Menendez, Gold Bar Bob, getting into the elevator yesterday. Why won't you resign, sir, Senator Menendez? Because I'm innocent. What's wrong with you guys? Why were there gold bars there? What's wrong with you guys? Play that again. What's wrong with you guys? You're supposed to be on our team. Why won't you resign, sir, Senator Menendez? Because I'm innocent. What's wrong with you guys? Why were there gold bars there? Man, I I want that guy's press... What's wrong with you guys? You're on my team. You're Democrats. What's wrong with you guys? And they point out 24 of you want him gone. I actually have a very unusual experience this morning. I am feeling sympathy for Corrine Jean-Pierre. And you want to know why? It's because there are two stories out there that are, they're just, you don't want to wake up, right? The White House press secretary, I assume, wakes up at least as early as I do and starts with the British papers. So the Telegraph has a headline this morning. And maybe the least favorite headline Corrine Jean-Pierre has ever seen. 
Inside Team Biden's plan to stop the president falling over. That's the headline in the United Kingdom's major newspaper other than the Times of London. The left reads the time, the right, the center right reads the telegraph. Inside Team Biden's plan to stop the president falling over. I, you know, most people don't go beyond the headline, right? They're scrolling around. There. Oh, the president's in danger of falling over. That's not good. So I can't wait for Peter Ducey to say, well, do you have any comment on the headline in the Telegraph inside the president team plan to prevent him from falling over? And then she's going to accuse Peter of, of some heinous crime and move on without answering. But then the second story is going to come up. This is all over the place, but I'm just going to run with the one from Fox News. Hunter Biden received $250,000 in a wire transfer originating in Beijing with beneficiary address listed as Joe Biden's home. So James Comer of the House Oversight Committee announced that yesterday. 250 grand in 20, was it 2019, got sent to Beijing to Joe Biden's house. Now I ask you, who among us has not gotten a quarter of a million dollars from Beijing sent to their house randomly? That could happen to anybody. And I am not going to join the mob uh, accusing the president of complicity in Hunter Biden's nefarious schemes to get money sent to the family firm via Delaware simply because a quarter million dollars showed up from Beijing at the Biden family house. I'm not going to join that line. Not going to do it. Wouldn't be prudent. My other favorite story of the morning. This is a revelation. New York judges do not have any awareness of or access to Zillow because yesterday a New York judge ruled that Donald Trump committed fraud because he overvalued his property. And apparently, judging by Eric Trump's ex post yesterday, the New York judge valued Mar-a-Lago at about 80 bucks. And apparently it's worth more than that. Now, who among us have not Zillowed? a property that you drove by when you saw it for sale. Who among us have not Zillowed a property that, that we thought that would be a nice place to live? I wonder what it costs. Zillow has brought the multiple listing service to you. And, and so apparently New York judges do not have access to Zillow because the idea that a real estate developer inflated their value. First of all, I work, I know real estate developers. I worked for real estate developers. Real estate developers are my friend. I hope Leonard Frank is listening right now. Leonard is retired from Party, which was my largest and biggest client for a quarter century. And But I mean the Baldwin brothers and SunCal and Lusk and you name it, I represented them on endangered species, wetlands, and sequa NEPA issues. And I have never met in 25 years of legal practice a developer who undervalued their properties. Never. It does not happen. But the judge in New York, because it's New York. And by the way, this this helps Trump. This helps Trump as much as the story is Trump saying he might want to buy a Glock as a felony. That story as well. At some point, you just laugh and you think, I hate the media so much, even if I don't like Donald Trump. I'm talking to you people out there who don't like Donald Trump. At some point, you know you're going to vote for him because you want to see their heads explode on election night twenty. 24. You know that. Now, the former president is not attending the debate tonight. And did I mention it will be on the Salem News Channel at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific uh, for an hour pregame. And then it will be on the Salem News Channel at 11 p.m. Uh, Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific for an hour postgame. 
So make sure you turn in the Salem News Channel if you are near a computer. The real news yesterday is that the Senate unveiled a bipartisan funding deal to avert the government shutdown. Now, it will take forever to pass because Rand Paul, Rand Paul is not a knucklehead. Rand Paul is a principled man. I just came home to find he got a book that weighs about 50 pounds on the COVID cover-up. And I love Senator Paul. I am not going to read that book. I'm not. I did the Washington read. I'm not in the index, so I don't have to worry about it. But I know what they did. I talked to Fauci and Dr. Collins, and I know they lied to me on this program. So I don't really need to read that book. But I mean, it is a desk stopper. It is a paperweight. It is a door jam of a book. So he's not going to vote for this deal. So it's going to take three or four days to get out of the Senate. It's not going to arrive in time. And even then, it's going to go to the House. And the knucklehead caucus has already met. They had a meeting yesterday, chaired by Matt Gates, who wants to be governor of Florida. I think that's the funniest part. The four-part members of the knucklehead caucus are blowing up their statewide campaign. Matt Gates wants to run for Florida governor. And I understand there is 5% of Florida that just thinks he's great. But you shut down the government, you stop paying the military, and that's what's going to happen on Saturday. Uh, those people are never going to vote for you, Matt, because they don't really have a lot of money like you do. They're going to they're going to remember that you made him scramble for two weeks to find money. Ralph Norman, part of the Knucklehead Caucus, wants to be the senator from South Carolina. Lindsey Graham's going to be the senator for life. Right now, we can never get Lindsey up early enough to talk to me about this. But I just think it's hilarious. Ralph Norman thinks he's going to beat Lindsey Graham in South Carolina. Marilyn Matt Rosendale, who moved to Montana to uh, after he developed all the property he could develop in in Maryland and made his millions. Went to high school, started college in Maryland, stopped, made money in Maryland because Marylanders are not very good at buying and selling things. And so Matt was able to make some money off of the the marks in Maryland. And then Maryland, Matt Rosendale moved to Montana and got elected to the house before anyone realized he was a carpetbagger. He's not going to be the center. And Dan Bishop, you've never heard of Dan Bishop. And this is the last time you're ever going to hear of Dan Bishop. Those four guys are going to bring the government to a halt. And that because they want to run for statewide office, just so you understand, it's not principle. They got no principles. They're running for statewide office and they need some attention and small dollar donors. So I don't know what leader Speaker McCarthy is going to do. St. Kevin is going to have to come up with something. But the Senate uh, passed a bipartisan continuing resolution or they agreed on it. They have not passed it. When we come back, an El Nino story, which I love. I love El Nino stories. I've got one of those. And then the Wall Street Journal has my favorite story of the day. The right amount of cash to keep at home for emergencies. Hint, not $480,000. So this is sort of a, it's a practical guide to living for United States senators. And the Wall Street Journal did us all service today. Do not keep gold bars and $480,000 of cash at home. I'll be right back, America. Stay tuned to this debate day edition of the Hugh Hewitt Show. Welcome back, America. Dr. Michael Oren joins me from Israel. Good morning, Dr. Oren. How are you? I'm actually in South America. I'm joining you very early in the morning. Hi, oh, Hugh. my goodness. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Michael, you and I are contemporaries. Right. So I've got like four big questions very quickly. But but since we're contemporaries, I want to test whether or not you remember Lost in Space. Do you remember Lost in Space? Very well. Okay. So who's the bad guy villain? I remember Penny. Who's the villain? Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. 
Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Yeah. Well, he's kind of an incompetent Matt <laughs> Gates-like villain. I don't remember that. Now you got Dr. Me. I Smith. I just said We're, Dr. McCoy. Dr. Smith would always screw things up, and that's Matt Gates in the house. Uh, you got yes, that. Dr. Smith is always, always, yeah, you couldn't trust the guy at all. Right. Uh, yes. Two more time who's, who's, sensitive who's, references. Okay, who's the contemporary Dr. Smith? Who's the contemporary Dr. Smith? Matt I'll Gates, and I think in Israel it's Ben Gavir, isn't it? Oh, boy. Is it ever? Oh, yeah, ever. that's what I mean. You can count on it, too. That's the good. Yeah, they, and, they, and, and if you, remember, I remember Doctor Smith. He was kind of like funny evil, and Ben yes. Gere is so is so bad, is so incompetent. He's funny evil too. That's Matt Gates, and so Ben Gavir, Matt Gates, and Doctor Smith. Now, my second time dated reference. That's actually two of them are to Good and Plenty's and Non Parallels, which my whole team had no reference point for. Do you remember Good and Plenty's and Non Parallels? Once upon a time, there was an engineer. Good and Plenty was his name this year. He had an engine, and he sure had fun. He made Good and Plenty. He used Good and Plenty candy to make his train run. I am in awe of Dr. Michael Oren. That's why he was the ambassador to the United States from Israel for so many years. Dr. <laughs> Oren, what is going on in Israel with the balloons in Gaza? Because let's get serious for a second. I, I read the Times of Israel every day, and I'm not sure whether a war is about to begin or whether it's a handful of crazy people in Gaza. Now, this has happened again and again with the balloons. Um, it's, the, it's, the, it's the coward's response to internal problems within Gaza. If there's high unemployment or people are, gro- are is, is there growing unrest and dissatisfaction with Hamas rule, that Hamas gets Israel to shoot at Gaza a little bit and hopefully rally support around it. How do you do that? You get a balloon, you attach an incendiary device to the bottom of the balloon, you send it over the border and sets Israeli fields of fire. Um, I actually watched this happen several years ago and lost my best pair of shoes as the field, the field around me went on fire. Um, and you know, so far, thank God, I don't think anybody has been killed by these uh, balloons, but it has caused tremendous ecological damages, ecological warfare. Um, and those people who care, you know, perhaps from a different part of the political spectrum, care about the ecology, care about the environment, should care about a terrorist group that is setting fire to fields and forests. To make a political sentence. All right, so, so now we'll let's respond to it probably reportedly. All right, now, now, not going to worry about that. Do I worry about a constitutional crisis in Israel this week? Oh, definitely. Uh, that is more serious. That is actually more serious. We had a, a very upsetting event occur uh, over the Yom Kippur holiday. Um, a, a public uh, prayer session, which in previous years has brought secular and Israeli Jews together in a main square in Tel Aviv, uh, turned into a basically a melee. Uh, on Yom Kippur, when a uh, oh, religious right. group, an ultra-nationalist religious group, uh, tried to put in a division. Now, in Orthodox Judaism, you have a division. Men and women don't sit together. They sit separately. Um, they, a high court and a local court had both told this organization not to put up this division, uh, as had the municipality of Jerusalem. The, the organization came and put up the division anyway. Whereupon, 
protesters came in and broke up the entire prayer service, attacking secular and religious uh, Jews uh, almost indiscriminately, but with great discrimination. People were deeply, deeply traumatized. And what had been an event, a very beautiful event in previous years, bringing uh, Israelis from different types of uh, different practices of Judaism together, has now brought our culture comp to the forefront. And what was more upsetting to me almost uh, uh, too was the reaction of the politicians. So Prime Minister Netanyahu immediately came out and condemned the leftists to attack Jews, as if the people attacking the Jews weren't leftists too, uh, and didn't mention that this radical organization had violated two court orders. But then Benny Gantz and Yair Lapid came out and only condemned the, uh, the radical religious organization, but didn't condemn the protesters who traumatized, and I stress traumatized, hundreds of people with this prayer ceremony. And I think if you have to look at the, the depth of our, of our despair, the, 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 the seeds of our discontent, okay, and it's right in this moment, without someone having the whatever you call it down here in South America, begins with a C, right? And we're on national radio here. Um, yeah. If you don't have those things, come out and say, listen, this organization was wrong for violating the law, but the protesters were wrong for beating up on innocent uh, prayer goers. Uh, then that shows you the deep divisions within Israeli society. What we need now is someone to come forth and bridge that gap. Do you, do you think that the Supreme Court is watching this and saying this is not the time to overturn a basic law? No, I don't know about this. I think they're going to debate it. At what they may do, and I hope what they'll do, is say uh, we have the right to overturn a basic law. But we're actually not going to exercise the right right now. We're going to send um, this law back to connection for connect. We're going to punt. That's what we're going to do. All right. That that word that you should know that that verb does not exist in Hebrew, nor does the concept exist in Hebrew. But I'll tell you, I think they're going to punt. Yeah, I don't know of many Jewish punters actually. Uh, I I don't. <laughs> I'm going to be advised. I have been a one of my great regrets in life that I was not a punter. Uh, Michael Oren, Dr. Michael Oren, good, safe travels to you. Thank you for getting up early. Go follow him on X, the site formerly known as Twitter, at Dr. Michael Oren. I'm glad the man knows the good and plenty song. That, that was epic. Stay tuned, America. Hour number two on Debate Day coming up. Don't miss the Salem News Channel coverage beginning 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific tonight. And after the debate on the Salem News Channel, make sure you're watching. Stay tuned. Back inside the Beltway on Debate Day. It's going to happen tonight. The Salem News Channel will be carrying a live feed of it. Uh, You also will want to watch our pregame beginning at 8 p.m. in the East and 5 p.m. in the West on the Salem News Channel. And after the debate at 11 o'clock East, 8 p.m. in the West, Salem News Channel will be back. Paul Winfrey is with the Center for Economic Innovation. Good morning, Paul. How are you? I'm doing great. Good morning, Hugh. Good morning. Now, you're too young to remember Lost in Space or Good and Plenty. So I'm not going to throw references at you that are going to confuse you. But you were the deputy director of the Domestic Policy Council in the Trump White House, correct? That's right. And now you are AFP, Americans for Prosperity, sponsor of our show, and you're helping them figure out how to translate what the candidates say tonight. Uh, Let me introduce this segment by playing for you the Americans for Prosperity ad that they are dropping on the networks today. Let's roll that. Ronald Reagan used to ask, are you better off today than you were before? Sadly, for most Americans, the answer is no. We know that because at Americans for Prosperity, we talk with them every day. Binomics is crushing us. I can't keep up with the rising cost of everything. This country is on the wrong track. We can do better, but we must focus on solving the issues that matter most. 
with new leadership and fresh ideas, we can reignite the American. So uh, talk to me. What do you think about that ad? And do you think it's going to get the candidate's attention to focus on economic issues tonight? Well, I hope it gets the voters' attention. Ultimately, that's the goal of the ad, right? I mean, look, whether or not you're making America great again or building back better, ultimately, one of the things that 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 ad is trying to do and and one of the things that I think the American people want is a forward-looking vision, an optimistic vision for where America can go, um, what, what we can achieve. And uh, and ultimately, that's what I'm going to be looking for when the candidates get on the stage tonight and start to lay out their economic agendas at the at the Reagan Library. Now, Stuart Varney is with Fox Business. Dana Prino is with Fox. And then they've got someone from Univision who I do not know on the set with them. But if I'm if I'm a moderator, I'm asking national security questions because I think economic questions, while generally relevant, are very hard to frame at 30,000 feet. How would you frame your query, Paul? If you were asking these candidates tonight to comment on the state of the economy. Well, I think that the national security issue is also an economic issue, right? So since the beginning of the pandemic, debt has gone up by about 44 percent, 48 percent. If you're looking at just the public debt alone, that's eight point three trillion dollars. You know, the interest rates on long term debt are now as high as they've been since 2007, when the debt was only $5 trillion. Now the total debt is about $33 trillion. Ultimately, that puts us on a a much lower national security standing than we could otherwise be. Um, But the the other thing that we need to be thinking about here when we're evaluating these candidates' plans is that we know that there is a fiscal cliff on the horizon that's coming in 2025 and 2026 with the expiration of the individual side of the 2017 tax bill, as well as some COVID era policies that could ultimately add another 3.5 to $5 trillion to the national debt, uh, which ultimately will make us, make us all poorer um, in, in part because, you know, as we're seeing right now with the Federal Reserve uh, having a hard enough time already restraining um, the growth of inflation because of all of the spending and debt that has been taken out since 2020, uh, so ultimately, national security and economic questions. Up, oh, Paul, did you go away? Did we lose his feed? He froze. He froze and we can still there he is. You're back, Paul. Um, I want to ask you. That. That's OK. I want to ask you about Lena Khan, because if I were on the stage yeah. tonight, I would say, is it appropriate for Team Biden to turn the entire economy into a mad scientist for law professors laboratory. What did you think of that yesterday? Because it cost every American lives on a pension a lot of money. Yeah, no, I, I think so. I mean, Alina Khan, look, it, it has has demonstrated that she is a hostile actor. Um, she uh, I mean, look, she's she's the FTC went from being one of the best places to work in government to one of the worst places to work in government. So her own employees are telling her that it's not going well, <laughs> right? And we should listen, right? If they're saying it, if uh, if the left-leaning bureaucracy is saying it, then maybe we should take a step back and, and reconsider this. Um, but look, I mean, the FTC is at the tip of the spear of the weaponization of government. And ultimately, if there's a new Republican administration in the future, uh, one would hope that they would start to rein some of that back in. 
Uh, Paul, would you pose to the candidates tonight any questions about the administrative state? Because I think that captures in two words, the administrative state, three words, the administrative state, the problem with our economy, which is we are having creeping centralization of every sector of the economy in the beltway. And that cannot be good for economic vitality and prosperity, because that's just classic economics. And that has not changed from the beginning of time. More government equals less productivity. Right. Well, look, I mean, it comes down to a philosophical difference from where Biden is with where the other candidates are. Right. I mean, Biden, in his own economic report of the president earlier this year, said that the root of all wealth creation in America is the government. And what the what the private sector can do is help the government redistribute that wealth once it's already been created. Right. So that's what the current that's the that's the position of the current president of the United States. And so if if your if your uh, if your philosophical leaning is such that, you know, the government creates the wealth, then, of course, you need a, a, a bunch of employees at the, the federal government to help you create said wealth. Right. Um, but you're you're exactly right. I mean, you know, the a, a positive opportunistic economic message that I think the American people would respond to is one that trusts the American public. Right. That believes in our creativity and. Uh, and, 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 and the successes that we've had in the past and knows that we can uh, have even greater successes in the future. And that's just not where the current president is, but it, it seems to be where some of the candidates are moving. Americans for Prosperity is a sponsor of our show. So I know this stuff cold, what they believe. And I want people who want to be involved in, in good economics to go to americansforprosperity.org. Paul, I've got a, a, a difficulty, a degree of difficulty question for you. Could a candidate put into the one minute they are allocated an explanation of why private investment is preferable to public investment. For example, the CHIPS Act, widely supported because it's a lot of money to sprinkle over the United States, but it is not preferable in my book to private investment locating semiconductor manufacturing in the United States for all the reasons that it might normally go there. How do you put that into one minute? Because that's all they get, one minute, public versus private investment. So I would say two things. The first thing is, is that when people put up their private dollars rather than public dollars, they provide oversight, right? They provide provide oversight over those funds and make sure that they're actually going to their highest use. So we're going to get more growth out of those kinds of opportunities. Um, The second thing that I would point out is that when you've been running debt at the levels that we've been running debt, and the labor market has essentially no slack. It has completely recovered since the beginning of the pandemic. That means that every dollar that Joe Biden is spending on manufacturing construction is taking away another dollar from elsewhere in the economy. And that's why you see private fixed investment actually falling since the enactment of the Build Back Better bill at the beginning of 2021. Now, you also get one minute to tell people how they, any presidential candidate, could actually control inflation. I'm a monetarist. I don't think fiscal policy has anything to do with inflation, except that it does raise debt. But what do you think? And what would a candidate say? Well, I'm with you, Hugh. I'm also a monetarist, and I think that the Federal Reserve is central to this question, uh, and the independent Fed is central to this question. And so ultimately, I think that one of the things that the president can and should do at the beginning is take a hard look at what the Fed has done, And, you know, 
honestly, it was too slow to act. Uh, it went too, um, it was too moderate at the beginning of their, of their tightening. And I would pull Jerome Powell aside and say, look, we, we need a, we need a leadership change at the Fed. You can stay on the Fed. Um, you've been appointed for a fixed term, but we need a leadership change over there. And I put somebody else in there who understood the issues and could, could, could get, get it back under control. That said, I think that there's also a lot that can be done to lessen the pressure that's put on the Fed. And that starts with restraining spending. Uh, you've got to get spending under control and, and that, you know, you've got to go all the way back to, you know, the major mandatory programs. Um, you know, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, Medicare, Medicaid, um, are big, big issues and uh-huh. we need Paul, to start count me as fainting. If anyone brings up entitlements on the stage tonight, I will faint if anyone <laughs> says, let's cut the entitlements. That will, I will just say, oh my God, what happened? Paul Winfrey, Center for Economic Innovation. Thank you, my friends. Americansforprosperity.org. Go and join it. Become part of the movement to restore free market principles in America's government and in its electoral process and among its media. Americansforprosperity.org. I'll be right back. America, stay tuned to the Hugh Hewitt Show. Thank you, Paul Winfrey. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Olivia Beavers is with Politico. Good morning, Olivia. How are you? I'm good, Hugh. How are you? I'm great. Now, we have got a thing, references that should not be made during a presidential debate quiz for you. I just want to know if you are literate in things that ought not to be brought up, but might be brought up by Stuart Varney tonight. Number one, do you know what Cracker Jacks are? Yes. Okay, that's a good. The snacky. You- baseball, yeah. Okay. Do you know what Good and Plenty is? No. <laughs> so you're not going to be able to sing the good and plenty jingle. Have you ever heard of Lost in Space? You know what? I actually had heard you mention it earlier on the show, and I meant to Google it because I swear you set out to stump me with at least one question every interview, and I was not, I couldn't even remember what the name was before I went to go Google it. So, so you're not going to remember <laughs> Dr. Smith. And then finally, do you know what a close talker is? It's a Seinfeld reference. You ought to know this. Well, I feel like isn't that the person who gets way too close to your face and you're you're trying to get some distance? They lean in. Yeah, that is my favorite episode of Seinfeld ever. But what I'm referring to, Olivia, is that tonight's debate, the directors are always telling the moderator, do not make references to things that people under the age of 25 or 30 will not remember. And these are you got one out of four Cracker Jacks. Harley, our Guamian at the controls, did not know what Cracker Jacks are. Here's a quick question for you. As you mentioned Adele and Taylor Swift earlier on the show, who sang Love Story? Oh, dear. If I had a producer, they would whisper that in my ear. I'm stumped. Who did sing Love Story? Taylor Swift. Oh, really? Wait, yeah. Love Story was a movie when I was in high school. That can't possibly oh, be true. Just stop. Just stop, stop, stop. <laughs> Joe, Joe, come back. I love that movie. Yeah, Joe. Oh, no. It's an intervention. Dwayne is trying to do an intervention. Uh, Olivia, you cover Congress. I have to ask you about the Seinfeld shutdown. Now, the Seinfeld show was a comedy show about nothing. I think this is a shutdown about nothing except the electoral ambitions of the knucklehead caucus. Matt Gates, Marilyn, Matt Rosendale, Dan Bishop and Ralph Norman, who are all running statewide. What is this shutdown going to be about? It's going to be... 
it's going to be really kind of watching how Speaker McCarthy decides to navigate this. You know that the Senate CR was put forward. It includes Ukraine funding. It includes, it lacks the cuts that the House wanted. The House is not going to pass it. Republicans have already said it's dead on arrival. It won't be brought to the floor. Um, McCarthy's in a really tough spot because he's was able to pass at least the rule for four appropriations bills, but we don't even know if those are going to pass this week. Conversations with Republicans suggest it's going to be even close. And then he has enough Republicans, or at least he has in the past, saying that they won't pass a short-term spending bill. So we're going to be entering a government shutdown. And from there, his hand gets a lot weaker. You're starting to have the government respond. Uh, you start hearing stories floating out. The president starts putting their hand in it of people who can't have their weddings in in parks and veterans who are not getting certain pay and, and uh, military service with delayed payments. And so it's going to be really a, a really tough political landscape. And there are some people in that caucus, as you call it, um, who would be interested to see him squirm and to see him in a politically vulnerable weak position. Uh, and as we mentioned on your show before, some of them are also seeking higher office. So it, it works for them to go against the speaker. You know, there are uh, four members of the Knucklehead Caucus and then some affiliated members. And Matt Rosendale, Marilyn Matt, Matt Gates, Dan Bishop, and Ralph Norman all are seeking statewide office. Does anybody not know this in the uh, in the press that, that that's why they're doing this? Does anyone ever report it? That's I mean, that's we we have a whole story and I actually almost flagged it for you uh, last week. And, um, you know, ambitions play an important role. I will say, and, and when we ask um, some of the people that you've named about, you know, their position now, they say Kevin McCarthy should have canceled August recess. Now, do some of them really believe all of August recess? I think they had, I think they had vacations planned, but they think that he should have been working to pass the appropriations bills throughout that time. And they think that they lost a lot of precious time for that. And now they feel like they're getting jammed. So oh, the time travel doing- Republicans are always amusing to me, Olivia. They're just they're just nonsense. Now, I got to ask you one more question before we run out of time, because the time travel Republicans overlap in a Venn diagram with the knucklehead caucus. Do you have any idea how much a gold bar weighs? No, but I imagine it's sort of like a brick. If I if I took it and hit someone, it would really hurt. 27 pounds. So I am curious if Senator Menendez picked up his gold bars in Egypt, as is speculated, how did he get them through customs? Has anyone asked him that yesterday? Yesterday, you know? I do not know, but I, actually, I have an idea because when you do Codell's, I don't know if he did a Codell there, but you fly military air and you don't have to go through customs. So members of Congress are known to sort of put in the bottom of the, of the train or the plane, um, rugs, wherever they go, if they're in, you know, Turkey or different types of furniture, and you don't have to go through the standard process of cutting it. So that oh, might- you got to run with that line. I'm wondering where the gold bars came from. And I, if they came from Egypt, he might have been given them in New Jersey, but he was very upset on yesterday's press corps asking him why he won't resign. But Olivia Beavers will be talking to you. We'll be watching for your analysis of tonight's debate. Thank you for joining me. Good and plenty. Go look it up and lost in space. Get current, Olivia. Get current. I'll be right back, America. Hour number three coming up. When the government used emergency edicts during COVID to restrict the gathering and worship of churches, three pastors facing the risk of imprisonment, unlimited fines, and their own churches being ripped apart took a courageous stand and reopened their doors in the face of a world that chose to comply. 
The Essential Church is a feature-length documentary that explores the struggle between the church and government throughout history. This fascinating story uncovers those who've sacrificed their lives throughout history for what they truly believe in. We discover why the church is essential and how we prove that this stand remains true from a scientific, legal, and most importantly, biblical perspective. This is not your typical movie. It'll change your life. You need to see this movie with your friends and family. The Essential Church is streaming today exclusively at SalemNow.com. That's Essential Church, streaming at SalemNow.com. Glory, America. Bonjour. Hi, Canada. Hugh Hewitt, back inside the Beltway. The debate is tonight. Salem News Channel will be hosting coverage of it beginning at 8 p.m. in the East, 5 p.m. in the West, and then after the debate... At 11 p.m. in the East and 8 p.m. in the West, the Salem News Channel will be carrying all sorts of analysis of what is coming and what just happened. Jim Garrity will also be, I'm sure, pounding out a morning jolt about what happens tonight. But, Jim, I have much more pressing things to discuss with you. The uh, the debate moderator quiz. Are you ready for it? Sure. All right. Do you know what good and plenty are? Yeah, they're a rather old-fashioned candy that uh, they used to have in movie theaters. Sometimes you get it for Halloween. Really haven't seen it as much since, um, really since they told us not to go trick-or-treating in the 80s because there were going to be razor blades in our apples yep. and stuff, which, by the yep, way, turned out right. to be I don't even think theaters carry them. Can you sing the good and plenty jingle, as Dr. Michael Oren, former ambassador of Israel to the United States, did this morning in hour one? No, no, that's I, I anything written on parchment, uh, pre, pre, you know, generally precludes me. Uh, you sorry. Third entry in the moderators must not bring up things. Do you have any reference to lost in space? Uh, danger, Will Robinson, danger. That's usually my reaction to whenever, um, you know, whenever a, a debate moderator tries to make a cool, hip, modern reference. I know, uh, you, know you know, they tell you before you go on, please <laughs> hey, don't make signs. Space, that's on fleek, let me tell you. In fact, look, you're going to look sus, you. Well, that's I began the show this morning by calling Matt Gates the Dr. McCoy from Lost in Space of the House GOP caucus. And then I was quickly corrected. It was Dr. Smith on Lost in Space. Yeah. And Michael yeah. Oren correctly remembered him as being the incompetent villain. The rather humorous villain. And Matt Gates is the Dr. Smith of the GOP caucus. Uh, this is the Seinfeld shutdown because it's about nothing except yeah. the electoral ambitions of four Republicans. Matt Gates running for governor in Florida. Ralph Norman running against Lindsey Graham for Senate in South Carolina. Marilyn Matt Rosendale, who wants to be senator in Montana, but they don't like carpetbaggers. And then Dan Bishop, about whom you've never heard, but he wants to be the attorney general of North Carolina. What do you think of their electoral strategy, Jim Garrity, of shutting down the government in order to draw attention to their fact that they are doing so? Oh, it's terrible, uh, terrible for the GOP, terrible for the country. I'm not. I mean, it'll help them in their primaries. I don't think it will necessarily help them in statewide races. Uh, Florida and North Carolina and places like that are, are fairly right of center. But I also think the electorate as a whole, like looking at 2022, they were not in love with these Trumpy. Uh, you know, anger for the sake of anger, table pounding, you know, theatrical circus types. Um, look, if you could if you could point to something, we're going to get X out of this border security funding or something like that, then at least maybe you could justify it. But right now, these five guys base or, or these five lawmakers are basically saying, um, no, we're not going to let you House Republicans pass something 
so that at least McCarthy has leverage in the next round about uh, raising the debt ceiling or, or the government shutdown or funding the government. It's, it's the same thing as the debt ceiling fight, but it's very same dynamics in which if you want Republicans to get things, they have to have a unified front. If they don't, their Democrats and Biden just sit back and say, hey, we'll, we'll sign whatever you send our way, pal. You got to you know, get yourself your own act together first. It's going to go bad. And oh, by the way, Hugh, what's going on here in my home state of Virginia right now? Oh, for Virginia's elections, for which I returned to the Beltway to vote specifically early. But these four, because yeah. Ken Buck changed his mind and said, this isn't going to help me get a CNN contract. We're down to the four members of the Knucklehead Caucus. They don't care about Virginia getting a Republican majority. They're destroying it. Yeah. I mean, look, I, you know, will there be other factors at work? Sure. But look, it's Virginia. You have a lot of government workers. Even if your your reflexive instinct is Ugh, government workers, I hate these guys. Look, there's a lot of civilian DOD. There's a lot of DHS. There's a lot of people who are perfectly good and potentially open to voting for Republicans in the right circumstances. Uh, voters, particularly you know where I'm living right now in Fairfax County, uh, McDonald won the county very narrowly. Um, and, you know, if, if you're a Republican, you want to keep those the margins narrow. Now, is it going? Is this going to be absolutely determine the state legislative races? I don't think so. But if the, the drumbeat is you're not getting paid because of these dumb Republicans because they can't get their act together and get 218 votes to pass anything in the House, that's not going to make people in a good mood about Republicans when they go to the polls in November. And, and that is like, exactly can... what is going to happen. They, they cannot yeah. get their They actually have their act together. These four are running for statewide. They're looking for clicks and donations. So they do not care yeah. about the party. We have, um, like, if you, if you could point to something you knew you were going to get, there would there'd be something. Also, if this were happening six months earlier, six months later, this would not be an issue in the Virginia. They've managed to time it for the absolute time, worst time for the interests of, uh, you know, uh, uh, all Republicans in Virginia who, like, would, you know, would really like to have control of the statewide government so that uh, Glenn Youngkin could actually, you know, get even more stuff done. Uh, I also, in the back of my head, look, I don't think Youngkin's running for president. I think it would be getting too late. I don't buy in this idea that everybody would suddenly unify behind him. But I, look, this this is not helping. And if Republicans have a lousy, you know, state legislative session, you know, elections, it's not going to help any calls for, you know, Youngkin being this political. Now, I, I really do. I'm open to being persuaded that it is good for a. Congressman from Florida, Matt Gates, South Carolina, Ralph Norman, North Carolina, Dan Bishop, or Maryland, Montana, uh, Rosendell, to shut down the government. Until I look at the number of military families in those four states, where they make up a significant percentage of the statewide electorate. And these four guys have written their name in blood on the shutdown, and the military E1s through E4s don't get any money during this period of time. Jim, does that make any sense? Can they possibly make up in donations and small dollar attention what they're going to lose in branding? Because everybody in those states are going to know these four guys shut down the government and screwed them. I'm skeptical. And the other thing is, is that, like, look, if maybe, you know, you help yourself among some segment of the we want to fighter, you know, Republican primary voter, the offsetting damage to the rest of the country. And, you know, soccer moms, the, the suburbanites, the white collar professionals who just want the government to do its job. 
And whenever there's a government shutdown, the, the, the people involved, like there's, there's no way to win a government shutdown fight. Everybody's numbers go down. Like, could this do some damage to Biden? Yeah, conceivably. I also would point out, though, that, look, I, I just yesterday's morning, Jill, was all about how the outlook for the economy for the coming year is not great. High interest rates are really starting to have their bite on anybody who wants to buy a house, anybody who wants to buy a car, right? Straight up, comments from uh, Zandi over, it was straightforward, the average American cannot afford a new car, the average American cannot afford to buy a new house, right? This is a really bad economic outlook if you're Joe Biden and you're turning 81 and people already don't feel good about the economy you're doing. If you have a government shutdown, you hand Joe Biden a scapegoat. Now, is the performance of the economy over the coming year going to be determined by the government shutdown? No, particularly if it's short. And I'd be really kind of shocked if, like, after a week or two, you didn't see other Republicans saying, fine, I'll vote with Democrats. Let's get the government re- reopened. This is stupid. We're not getting anything out of this, you know. Um, but, look, I, I, you know, if you give Biden this, he'll say, ah, you know, if you're if you're having a hard time, remember Republicans shut down the government and didn't say, you know, like, that's the, he's going to invoke it all the time. And if again, if you're getting something out of it, maybe it would be worth that risk. But I don't see him getting anything out of it. No, the, the Ted Cruz engineered shutdown. I always argued actually benefited Republicans, but he had a plan. These four do not have a plan, and they're not. It's the Seinfeld shutdown. It's about nothing. Uh, I want to fact check quickly before we go to break. By, What's that, Jim? Let's just say the cruise is helped by healthcare.gov, healthcare.gov getting rolled out right afterwards. Yeah, and all of a sudden that huh, these wise Democrats, you know. That, that narrative uh, got you know, took a hit below the waterline. I want to fact check Eric Erickson, my, my friend and colleague on the airwaves. Don't kid yourselves. If Bob Menendez were in a swing state with a Republican governor who could appoint his replacement, Senate Democrats would not be calling for his resignation. True or false, Jim Garrity? Likely, and I think a good indicator of this is, uh, Hugh, there, there, how many Republicans have you seen for Menendez, who's calling Menendez to resign? Oh, Tom Cotton said he deserves his day in court. Tom's all for fairness and justice here. <laughs> so step one, if uh, you know Menendez is currently 88 indictments behind former President Trump, uh, I think every I give credit to Republicans for recognizing the hypocrisy trap, right? The idea that, that somebody's going, well, you know, with indictments, that's serious. Menendez should step down. There's no way that he should, you know, and he's like, well, this, would that same apply to Donald Trump, who's you know got 91 indictments? And you could probably see some, you know, Republican having a deer in the headlights kind of moment. Um, Republicans want Menendez to stay there. Yes. They want him to run severely damaged. They want it. They're hoping Democrats don't pull the Torricelli maneuver. Uh, Jim, I got to ask you, do so, you know how much a gold bar weighs? No. 27 I, I, I pounds. 27 pounds. So Tom Cotton didn't know that either yesterday. I'm just curious how he got them through customs. And we'll come back and talk about that. Garrity the Indispensable. Is coming back after the break. Don't go anywhere. Jim will be right back on the Duke Hewitt Show. It's debate day. That's Bob Menendez if you're watching on the Salem News Channel. Stay tuned. Welcome back, America. I'm laughing because I watched the Annie Agar NFL breakdown from week three. Uh, X post. Uh, Jim Garrity is my guest. Indispensable Jim Garrity. Do you watch Annie Agar? The Jets figure prominently in Annie Agar's uh, NFL Week 3 recap. Uh, Hugh, my understanding was the NFL season was canceled. Uh, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't see... I, I Look, I, I tuned in for... First of all, one, I tuned in for the Jet game and I didn't see any professional football being played. So, um, so there's That's that. That's what I, Annie secondly, is. 
The first question to the general managers meeting in Annie's video is that, uh, why don't you bring in Carson Wentz Jets? Why don't you bring in anybody? And they say, well, because we don't want to have a less than zero chance of winning (laughs) with Zach Wilson. Oh, you poor man. Uh, No, Trevor Simeon is who we're going to ride or die with at some point this season. But I would point out, Hugh, then in the later game, I was ready to watch some football, and instead it was TMZ. My understanding is that the single biggest thing that happened was was Taylor Swift attended uh, Arrowhead Stadium. She was in the luxury box. She was there with Kelsey's mom. She cheered the touchdown. Everybody was excited. Oh, in other news, uh, the Chiefs won the game. But that was a very minor, unimportant aspect. In other news, the Cleveland Browns have given up one touchdown in three games. One. One touchdown. So I'm just telling you, we have a 1985 Bears defense going. I have two very serious stories. Who among us has not received a quarter million dollar wire transfer at our home? Jim Garrity. I I don't know that anybody can blame this on the president. Uh, And who among us do not have gold bars uh, at the house? What do you think of those two stories? Yeah, so regarding Menendez, which we were talking about in that last segment, like, first of all, I, I was on um, Meet the Press Now yesterday, and, and there was a comment that we did, the introductory, in his previous trial for corruption, right, which you don't usually see in the context of a senator. Yes, it was a, a jury that was deadlocked and they could not get a conviction, but everybody could tell this guy was a terrible crook last time, and he just happened to get lucky with a jury that was just not, you know, determined not to convict him. Um, and most people would have tried to keep their noses clean after that. Most people would have said, wow, I really dodged a bullet in that. I'd better be on my best behavior. Bob Menendez allegedly interpreted this as a uh, get out of jail free card, that you could do whatever the heck you want. And so bribery is like, this is going to the words I never really wanted to say. Bribery is bad, Hugh, but let's get to the really bad part. <laughs> which is, you know, even worse, which is that he basically was an agent of the Egyptian government, that the Egyptian government or through a mediary was paying him massive amounts of money, which was, he was which Menendez was then turning around and uh, touting foreign aid to Egypt and, uh, you know, singing their praises and stuff like that. I flew this down is, you know, to Washington yesterday with yeah. Senator Angus King. And because I was on a plane with a senator, there were people lined up with gold bars at the uh, entry gate. And Angus didn't take any. I didn't take any either. But I just think I love this story. I absolutely love it. But I got to get to my last story. The Telegraph this morning. Apparently, by the Pirates of the Caribbean. (laughs) The Telegraph this morning. I'm feeling bad for Corrine Jean-Pierre for the first time in my professional life because the Telegraph this morning has a headline that says, Inside Team Biden's plan to stop the president falling over. Now, how do you deal with this on the same day that a quarter million shows up at your house in a wire transfer from Beijing? Have you got any tips for Kareem today? Well, the first thing, I, I find myself in the weird spot of being Michael Jordan, a comparison you're not going to hear very often, with Spike Lee in that old Nike commercial, because the attitude of the Biden team is, Money, it's all got, but it's got to be the shoes. And I'm like, no, Mars, it's not the shoes. It's not the shoes that are going to save this presidency. It's not about, you know, oh, don't worry. He's on special souls and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, he nearly came down the stairs of uh, Air Force One yesterday. And, yep. and you know, God, I, I hope you know, Joe Biden stays upright. I, I, the, the weird thing is, is that I think the Biden team like leaked that with pride. Look at us. Look at how smart we are. Look at how wise we are. We've figured out he's going to do balance exercises and he's going to have special shoes. 
And that will keep this president who turns 81 in about a month or so uh, upright and doing fine. And there's nothing to worry about. And I don't think that's that that's not really going to reassure people. Like We the wish him well. We, we wish him well. And we, we pray for the president every day. But I am curious. If it were not for the shutdown and the gold bars, would this be the only story that we'd be talking about today? Or would we be talking about the quarter million dollar wire transfer as well? Because Republicans are stepping on their own story again. They are. Um, I I think I kind of wonder at some point, does the Hunter Biden stuff get priced in that most people see Hunter Biden as this walking disaster area? Uh, not just like because there are other scandals that ironically are so sordid that people kind of feel embarrassed even talking about them. There's the drug addiction issue. There's the stripper, the unpaid child support, all that kind of stuff. Um, the, the denial of the grandchild, you know, all the stuff was like people cringe when they hear this sort of thing. The thing that really the House Republicans are, are rightfully focusing in on is, look, Hunter Biden had all kinds of shady businessmen and they've made enormous payments, not just to Hunter Biden, but to all kinds of Biden family members including his granddaughter. Like, why, what, what, what are they doing? What, what, what services are they rendering to the Kazakhstani businessman and the Chinese guy who handed them this giant dollar, uh, this giant diamond, um, and Burisma? Like, what, what are they doing? What's their Jim, you're, you're confusing um, Matt Gates because he's going to get the impression that there's actually something that we'd rather the news media focus on than him. And you're going to confuse him. Jim Garrity at X, formerly known as Twitter. Thank you. Go Jets. As quickly as you can to the quarterback market. I'll be right back, America. David Joyce is next, a serious member of the House. Stay tuned. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Tonight is debate night. Right, debate night is tonight. And that means the Salem News Channel will be covering an hour before special coverage of the Republican uh, presidential nomination debate from the Reagan Library in Simi Valley will be on the Salem News Channel tonight at 8 p.m. in the East, 5 p.m. in the West. Do we have that um, promo card? Harley or has Harley wandered off again? Yeah, the the other trying to put the guest into the guest room, because if you're from northeastern Ohio, the bandwidth issue is always element present. There you have the Republican presidential debate tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. in the West is the pregame. Congressman David Joyce, welcome. Uh, Congressman, can we begin with the serious stuff? The Browns got hosed on the Amari Cooper call this weekend. Can you get an investigation into NFL refereeing going? <laughs> I actually thought that uh, that was one of the worst calls I've seen all year, and I've seen a lot of bad calls. But that one was really, I mean, the footwork he had there, uh, everybody was cheering and going crazy, but nope, we didn't get the call. He did not get close to the out-of-bounds. He was about as close to the out-of-bounds as you guys are to passing a continuing resolution. So bring us up to speed on that, because I don't think you're going to get the call. I think the government's going to shut down because you've got four members of your caucus who think it's great statewide politics to cut off the pay for military people in North Carolina, Florida, Montana, and South Carolina. What is going on in the caucus? You know, you called it. I don't get it. How can you not spend money on the military? And as you well know, uh, you're, you're talking about Ukraine. You're, you're fighting with Ukraine for money. If this total expansion took place, then they move over to Poland and NATO's involved or all involved, whether you want to or not. Would you rather have the war rate waged in Ukraine under those circumstances? I mean, I, the idea that anything over here is DOA on the, any, containing any Ukraine money is beside me. 
I, I was over there and, and watched our guys, uh, their guys training on our tanks. And I'm telling you, it's inspiring. These guys, 17 to 71, they weren't soldiers. They were just countrymen who came in fighting for their own freedom. It's very inspiring. Now, uh, Congressman Joyce, I really would be interested. What are the mechanics here? Speaker McCarthy, other no, otherwise known as St. Kevin, has got to do this again. And Matt Gates, with whom, if you're going to play four-dimensional chess with Matt, you better bring a pretty big chair, because he's right ahead of me on this, because I don't get any of the politics of this or the policy. But assume that he shuts down the government and mo- brings a motion to vacate before he does. How does the speaker survive that? Because you're going to lose four Republicans or five Republicans. Potentially. But I, I think it, at this point, he's done such a good job. In the 10 years I've been here, never once have we had a speaker who's been willing to work with everyone. He listens to them more than anyone should. Uh, just last night, I had dinner with Boehner, and <laughs> he was talking about it. He said, Kevin's way too nice to the terrorists. Uh, you know, it, it's true, but he's been trying to make this something that's member driven and the members keep wanting to stick it to him. And, you know, we talk about Ukraine and you talk about funding the military, but also I just don't get it. I, you know, I am the uh, uh, Homeland uh, Appropriations Chair, but you and Ken, uh, you and Ken Calvert. Ken runs defense approach. You run Homeland Security approach. Right. You're normal conservative Republicans, and you believe in funding the border and the military. It's kind of old fashioned to go back to Ike to fund the border and the military. <laughs> I do not get how Gates, Marilyn, Matt Rosendale, and Dan Bishop, who's <laughs> never going to be elected North Carolina senator or attorney general, and Ralph Norman thinks he's going to run against Lindsey Graham in South Carolina by shutting down the military. Have you talked to them? I mean, do they actually have a plan? Well, they haven't made me party to their plan. I have talked to them because I'm trying to get my bill passed. And, you know, they, when they talk about all this woke and broke and in DEI and all that, I walk them through that, look, you know, I, I don't, we operate in numbers. We're trying to fund departments. And I, I, everything you don't like, we took all the money out for DEI. We took all the money out for moving people around the country, uh, illegal aliens. We, everything that uh, they dislike, we took out. And then they start to go into the policies. And I said, well, you know, I, maybe I missed your class of sixth grade civics, but they, we're not in control. You still have to go through the Senate and the president still has to sign these things. So, you know, let's take what we can get in this point. Show the American people that this is our plan. Should we take back the Senate and the presidency and be on with it? But when you have all these people, you, you hit it right on the head. When you have all these people running for office on the back of Kevin McCarthy, it's just not fair. Well, you had dinner last night with John Boehner. So I am I'm going to compliment you on not saying we only have one half of one third of the government, which I believe is trademark John Boehner and the Dean Markin caucus, because he used to say that so much. <laughs> we only have one half of one third of the government, but we only have one half of one third of the government. So what you know, we're not going to leave the government shut down. What what is the end game here, Congressman David Joyce? Because I really have no idea how you get out of this fix. Well, I, I think at the end of the day, we're going to give them the opportunity to uh, pass these bills today. We'll see what they do with Ag. Then Ken's up next with defense, and I'm up with Homeland. And then Mario Diaspolar is coming up with uh, state and foreign ops. And if those four pass, and allegedly they're going to rally around the CR, uh, that'll give us room to get the other ones done because we've already established what our top line number is going to be. And so 
you know, we have to do this. We don't have enough time by now to, uh, through Saturday night to get this done, but we're making a good faith effort to get that accomplished and just, you know, get the money to make sure that we're securing our border and defending ourselves. And it, you, you know, when do you have Democrat governors and Democrat mayors on board with us about uh, closing the border? This is an opportunity. And if they really want to be uh, political stars, go out and game that out. I'm just trying from the reality of it is poisoning us. I mean, I, I've sat with Chris Murphy. We've talked about the idea. We've got to stop fentanyl. It's killing our kids in this country. And we've got to use every, every single arrow in our quiver to stop this. And you know, so if you the go Democratic up, senator who's in charge of it, talk to us. If us. you go up to the Hotel Ashtabula, Congressman, it is now a drug rehab center. It was owned by my grandfather yep. a thousand years ago. And it's now a drug rehab center because fentanyl is overrun Ashtabula. And that's your district, and you know that. And I cannot believe that Republicans are stopping border money. I really, I don't understand that at all. Have you talked to them specifically about this? Yes. I walked through with them. I mean, I spent hours and hours with this small fraction of people who have got all these issues. When I'm on the floor tonight, the 80-plus uh, amendments we have are all driven by them. And they want to defund uh, Mayorkas' salary to buck. Okay. But the civil servants that are working there, who's ever going to work for the federal government if you're going to start attacking their pay? They're just doing, they're uh, relying upon orders from above. They're not making these decisions on their own. It's just last, last question, uh, David Joyce. You always have to leave your opponents, in this case, the knucklehead caucus of the Republicans, a, a way to retreat and claim victory. You got to let them retreat and claim victory. Correct. What is, what is that Absolutely. way for them to retreat and claim victory? The four appropriations bill today, they, they pass those and they say, we got what we wanted. Therefore, we we're going to go forward. Is that what the plan is? Allegedly. And then, you know, this limiting spending, we're putting that total number out there, showing that when we get the rest of our bills done, they'll be at this level. But, you know, Andy Harris, who's a member of the Freedom Caucus, he's in charge. He's the chair of AG and AG looks like it's in trouble on the floor. So we'll see what happens. I was surprised the rule passed last night. Oh, my gosh. David Joyce, honestly, I think you'd have more luck if you tried to get an NFL ref to call Amari Cooper inbounds, and you will move in those four. But thank you for joining me this morning. David Joyce, Congressman Extraordinaire from Northeastern Ohio. Uh, you can follow him over at the website known as X, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, I don't have his Twitter handle in front of me. Uh, rats. I don't. The great uh, oh, it is Rep Dave Joyce. There, I got it, Dave. Rep Dave Joyce. There, thank you, sir. <laughs> Be well and go Browns. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.